You're listening to episode 12 of the Podpunk Podcast, and my guest this time is the incredible Jason DeVore from the Mighty Authority Zero. Uh, Jason's a wonderful guy and took some time to speak out to me about Authority Zero, uh, his solo work, his skateboard company that are called Earth Skateboards, um, a story uh, revolving around Playboy, uh, nearly joining Pennywise, and loads more. Um, before we start, as always, playing a bit of music. Uh, so enjoy the song Revolution by Authority Zero now. Uh, enjoy the chat with Jason, and I'll speak to you after. Bye. Look at the blueprints as they disappear. Get to the blank space filled with all the Jason Duvall, how you doing, mate? Hey, man, I'm doing good, Jordan. How are you, buddy? Yeah, I'm doing. Not, I'm not doing too bad. How are you uh, keeping sane during this incredibly odd period in the world? Well, for a long time, up until last week, it was just tons of booze and uh, <laughs> writing songs. And so I decided to take a break from that because being in this containment, you know, and then the quarantine or whatever, there's a lot of liquor in your cabinet, so you're very easily drawn to it when there's a pool out back, too. <laughs> So I definitely, my wife and I have been taking and having a good time with that, but taking a breather from it a little, obviously, uh, but been doing good though, all around, just still writing music, you know, doing online live shows, uh, acoustic shows at least, and even Authority Zero, we've been doing live shows. We have one coming up here next Tuesday okay. uh, with the full band. Yeah, and our old guitar player, Bill, our original guitar player is going to join us for that for the, I think it's the 10 or 14 year anniversary for Andiamo. Oh, wow that album so we're gonna do a live stream next tuesday and we haven't played together him and i 
since 2008. So I don't know what the hell to expect, but it's, it's going to be fun. <laughs> oh, that's going to be amazing. <laughs> a lot of man. memories there, but doing that, I've been doing a lot of art stuff too. I've been doing some, uh, some, uh, some screen printing and stuff like that. Some screen prints of some of my art that I've done in the past and just trying to finally get it up online and get people, people are interested to purchase a copy of it or whatever. I've been mailing those out and just, just keep busy, man. House projects, doing mm -hmm. school of rock, teaching some kids, some uh, songwriting skills uh -huh. that I don't even know what I'm talking about when I'm telling them. So I hope I'm not <laughs> leading them astray. <laughs> oh, wow. I didn't know you did that. Yeah. That's yeah. Really cool. So um, that's that's done. You you are in Arizona, right? Am I correct thinking that? Yeah. So what's it been like there um, for all the COVID stuff and things? Because like my my family lived down in uh, Florida, and yeah. um, they've kind of had people resisting the idea of even like having a mask or social distancing or anything like that. Have you have you encountered that sort of stuff in your in your state, or has it been kind of? Absolutely. Or I mean, right now it sounds to me it's New York, Florida, Texas, and Arizona are like the peakers. You know, um, you All would right. think. My understanding was when it first came about that the heat would be something that would help eliminate the virus because it would kill it because it was too hot, which right. makes sense in Arizona because it kills everybody in Arizona, <laughs> just the heat alone. But uh, apparently, it's not happening, and people are still going out and being overly, overly social. You know, not not doing the distancing, whatever. You know, I'm not sure who came up with six feet or whatever, but you know i'm not even saying that obviously either but i have seen some places doing it which is cool um mm -hmm. but unfortunately whatever's happening it's still it's still peaking out and now we're uh, in a situation again to where we might not be able to get out of the house again businesses mm -hmm. might be closing down in bars as well i don't know um, i know florida and texas just did that and uh i mean i really hope it doesn't happen in arizona my wife works in the industry in the business you know and right. and uh, a lot of friends of mine work at these music venues that are around here that are already suffering yeah. because of it you know because obviously no one can play and puts bartenders out of work puts the uh, security guards out of work puts the just the maintenance guys all that stuff sound guys you know so it's been difficult man it's been you'd have to you've, you've had to be really conscious about what you're doing be careful you know care about other people obviously you know it's like the mask thing i mean i i, I get people's under you know debate about it whatever but i mean in, in the end result it's like you know do we want to keep on doing this shit forever and go around and around we go it's like i'd rather get back to real life and Absolutely. uh if it's gonna take me wearing a fucking mask it's like putting on underwear dude it's fine <laughs> just do it you know it's like why not make it a fashion we'll statement why not get something cool <laughs> so um i'll tell you something a bit lighter and a bit more cheery because um unfortunately i started most of these and gone so tell me about you know covid and i'm just like oh, that's it's right. not exactly the happiest of topics, is it? So um, let's talk about yourself. So when did you um, start getting interested in being involved in music? Um, not necessarily into like the band start of it, but what, what was your first, like, what was like the first record you bought? The first record I bought was probably a tape cassette, actually. Okay. It was, uh, I think it was Ugly Kid Joe or, man, no, we're talking way back. Hold on a second. Let me think. <laughs> like White Snake. Ugly Kid Joe, Guns N' Roses, Motley Crue, you know, that was my stuff. Yeah. And I was into a little bit of like the, the fluffy hip hop when I was a super little kid, like Kid okay. Play and stuff like that, you know, uh, <laughs> loved all the house party movies. <laughs> got, got into uh, got into a lot more of uh, just metal, you know, 80s rock metal. And again, with that came, you know, Nirvana and like the grunge rock and all that. I pretty much followed the stream of music throughout, you know, just growing up as a kid, you know, whatever was on the radio at the time, obviously, because I didn't know any better until I started getting more 
uh, entwined with some of my friends, older brothers and stuff that introduced me to more music that I was like, what the hell is this? Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, as far as the, like, you know, the punk rock stuff goes, that kind of came along in the, in the grunge era, you know, with Green Day and all of them popping out around the same time. You know, yeah. they, they've been before that, obviously, you know, but as far as like uh, popularity goes and stuff of that nature, I guess, and uh, Offspring, all that, you know. Um, and then, you know, all of it just kind of got me into, like, the uh, entire punk skate scene. I grew up skateboarding, and, you know, all the music just kind of came along with it. I wanted to be a pro skater when I was growing up. All right, cool. Yeah, that was my dream, man. That or pro skateboarder or pro snowboarder. And I still do both, but I've snapped a lot of ankles, ligaments, and tendons, and I'm 40 years old now. So, But luckily, music came along with that, and yeah. I got really excited about that. You know, my mom always sang all the songs that came on the radio. Uh, I knew all the words and all the melodies. She sang great. I never understood how she do that, but now I know because it's like the same song over and over again. Yeah. But it still intrigued me, like her voice, uh, her knowledge of lyrics and, you know, over and over again with all the songs. And so it just intrigued me. My uncle sang music too, uh, doing like impersonations uh, on right. her side of the family. And uh, I just, again, music latched onto me and it became a huge part of my life. Uh, with all the punk rock music, Bad Religion, and Operation Ivy, Rancid, you know, you name it, all the old schoolers that are still, still around and kicking. Yeah. And here we are today, man, playing shows with them and friends with them, which uh, is really, yeah. really strange. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess. Kidding me is like weird. kicking myself in the face right now. <laughs> I guess it must be sort of weird um, playing and being like starting out as a band and then eventually you're sharing stages and sharing bills with contemporaries and like people that, that you said, people that you uh, grew up listening to. That must be quite a, quite a weird thrill. It really is, dude. It's like when I was a kid, when we started playing this band, like when I was 14 years old, I said, the only thing I told myself was, I only want to be in a, I only want to, all I want in life, as far as like goals go, is to be in a band that the bands I grew up listening to acknowledge that my band is an actual band and it exists. Mm-hmm. And I'm all, the next step of that would be that they actually know the band really well and they respect the music that we play and respect us as individuals and myself as a lyricist and uh, singer, I guess you know, performer. Yeah. And uh, it is a cool thing. It's like, once that goal had been accomplished with the people that I was thinking of, at least in my mind, back then, and once that happened, and now we're friends on top of that, and just more is developed from that on top of that, too. It's just like, it's always like that, you can just kill me now kind of moment, you know, like, years ago, now it's like, now it's just fun on top of it. And let's see how far we can take it all around the world and keep on just pushing and pushing and having a good time with it and staying connected with those people we met along the way, you know. That's amazing, man. So Authority Zero, when did you guys form? Was it in 94, I believe? But I'm already... Yeah, 94. Uh, I was four, like 14, 14 years old. So the idea of Authority Zero started when, in 94. So we weren't like really just blowing out playing shows, but the concept came about when I was 14. I was visiting my dad out here in Arizona for the summertime for like just like a week or something. Mm-hmm. And I met my neighbor. Uh, I was in an apartment complex. This neighbor kid had like long black hair, shaved around the sides, called that a phase three back in the day. <laughs> I had the same haircut, but mine was blonde and long. Right, okay. And, uh, so funny story with that, real quick. We were yep. both swimming in the pool one day, like at, at night, and it was just the two of us, and we hadn't met yet. And he was on the shallow end, I was in the deep end. Mm-hmm. And again, we both had long hair. So we both thought we were some smoking hot chick. <laughs> <laughs> so we started swimming toward each other. <laughs> get closer we realize we're a couple of dudes <laughs> oh, oh what's up bro yeah what's up man you know we started telling each other each other's ages and lied about that to try and be cooler <laughs> and then we became friends we hit it off 
he just happened to be in guitar class locally here at Westwood High School with our uh, guitar player I was talking about, uh, mm -hmm. Bill Marks, and our bass player at the time, Jeremy Wood. And they, they all just played together in guitar class. And then I met those guys a little bit later that week. And uh, they had a song they'd written, acoustic, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, I started writing lyrics to it and a melody. And I sang it and we wrote a song. And he's, Bill was like, hey, you want to start a band and be our singer? I'm like, sure, whatever. <laughs> and I'm like, I got to go back to Wyoming, you know. But I was, and I grabbed my skateboard and just kind of went up and started skating because I was more into that than music at the time, too. All right. So they're like, they're like, who the fuck is this guy? Like, <laughs> he doesn't really give a shit, you know? And so, you know, things progressed. We started playing more music, started writing some stuff. I had to go back to Wyoming, like I say. Ended up moving back out here when I was 16, but we kept the band going. Throughout that time, we started playing uh, at school, you know, in the, in the parking lot during the lunch break, set our stuff up, started doing like talent show stuff, doing like backyard parties like crazy, like, so I did our first gig at the Mason Jar, which is called Rebel Lounge now. We just did our live stream from there not too long ago on the 25-year anniversary, which was really neat and nostalgic. Yeah. Um, and then just started playing every Thursday at Big Fish Pub and Jugheads on uh, Fridays and just kind of just kept on hammering away. And here we are, man, 26 years later now. Wow. So what what's kept you, what do you think has kept you so interested in doing this for 26 years? Because that is a that is a heck of a long time to stick with, um, was it stick with one thing, really. Surely, yeah. I mean, I think the diversity of what the music we play is, it's not just just over and over and over again. You know, we keep it interesting. We try to do it for the fans as well as ourselves. We just did that naturally in the beginning because we all came from different walks of music and different walks of life. And rather than, you know, putting ourselves in leashes, we decided just to do whatever we wanted to do and make us all happy. Mm -hmm. And it became this big hodgepodge of whatever the hell it is still, you know, and uh, it kind of became this formula in some regard without really being scientific about it but we have we felt we felt kind of weirdly obligated to make sure we stayed kept all those elements and didn't lose ourselves in just feeling like we needed to sound like one thing or not right right and so with that has kept the interest of myself i think the interest of the fans as well also has probably been detrimental to our band because a lot of people might hear one song and then hear the other one they're like what is this i don't i don't get it so you know toss it okay you no know, yeah so there's no there's no category for these guys really per se so uh let's move on yeah <laughs> i was just gonna say in, in fine in closing just the traveling the, the camaraderie with you know the band members it's been changing throughout the years but we always find people that are really like-minded and mm -hmm. kind and because you're spending 23 hours in a van over one hour on stage you know what i mean yeah. so it's got yeah, that's more important you got to make sure you're with good people and you have the same ideals uh you know everybody's got their own, own things but i mean you know essentially like all on the same page Mm-hmm. And with that, um, you meet a ton of people around the world and they become your family and friends and just staying in touch with them and how much it means to them as well. And uh, just messages you get throughout the years. You've probably heard a million people say it, but people saying you've saved their life, you changed their life. Yeah. They were about to commit suicide because of this song they didn't. Uh, this made them advance to this next place in their life. They saved their marriage. You name it. You know, things of that nature just really touch home. And as many years into it, it's like, there's no reason not to. It's like, it's, we're still enjoying doing it. We love, we love playing. We love doing the festivals. We love doing the small club shows. We love mm -hmm. doing the, meeting all the kids again and just, you know, meeting their kids now, which is crazy. Like yeah. their kids are like 12 years old and it's like, that's around when we started the band. So <laughs> I'm, I could talk all day, but yeah, that's about the idea. <laughs> that's cool. That's cool. So um, when you, do you remember um, recording your very first album, what that would have been, what that experience was like? Cause obviously I guess now you're what, eight, nine records in now i think is it eight or nine i think nine 
nine <laughs> albums in so like obviously now you're a bit more used to it but do you remember what it was like going in for the first time and how that sort of how that sort of went for you guys do you remember absolutely man i'll never forget it our first ep we did uh, was called live your life and uh it was like a 10 song or nine song ep or something lp, LP? i can't remember exactly how many songs were on that but uh guitar player bill again at the time his parents loaned us a thousand bucks and we went to this uh studio in downtown town mesa uh what was that place called uh that i don't remember i should remember okay. that but uh bluebird i think it was bluebird the uh, blue, 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 blue bird studios six times fast um <laughs> We went there for over a course of two days and just recorded all the instruments and then did all the vocals and mixing and mastering the next day, if you want to call it mastering, I guess. Yeah. Um, but that was cool. It was just weird because we were actually recording a, what we thought was a record. It sounds completely like garbage now looking back at it, but at that point in time, we thought it was, you know, the bee's knees. So, um, so that was a cool experience in itself. It was really short-lived, but our first actual full-length recording yeah. of A Passage in Time, our first... Uh, breakthrough record or whatever you want to call it um 2001 we went to the studio out in burbank california with uh dave jordan who produced it he did some he'd done some of the uh but uh, chili pepper stuff and social distortion stuff so we're like oh that's kind of a combination of things we're interested in you know yeah, yeah. so we went with him dave jordan out there in burbank we stayed out there we'd just gotten signed to love atlantic records uh and that's how we were able to even afford the idea of something like that or you know humor the idea so they put us up out there um, at these apartment complex for like a month and a half. And so we were just like on top of the world. We're like, this is rock and roll. We made it. We're rocking. Yeah, right. 21. Woo. You know, it's back when record labels had money and they were tossing it around like freaking idiots. And so we had fun. We just lived out there. We uh, recorded the studio at our leisure, basically. I don't know why it took us a month and a half to record that record, because nowadays it's like in and out in two and a half weeks. And it's like a better product than I've heard from that record, to be honest with you. Uh, we just had fun, man. We were out there. We were like being assholes. Like we were throwing picture frames off our balconies, just being stupid. You know what I mean? But it was the time of our life. Like we all bought like these little scooters, little, little motorized scooters. Right. And this little scooter gang and just living it up, man. And the studio was awesome. <laughs> It was pretty much like, it was almost as far as the recording goes, it was like they were old songs we had already written that were recorded on that Live Your Life EP as well as another EP we did called Patches in Time. Okay. Six song demo. And that's, that was the one after that Live Your Life. And it was uh, more of the songs like One More Minute, Sky's the Limit, mm -hmm. things that we actually ended up using as singles in the initial push of Passage in Time. Yeah. Uh, so we just re we recorded all those and recorded all of our old songs on top of that, maybe like one new song. Okay. And our producer, Dave Jordan, was very like lax. He was just he's like that rock and roll like old guy with like the you know the you know the short brown hair that kind of kind of thin and a little bit a little gray. Uh, <laughs> he'd come in for like an hour at a time, you know, for a full day session, and I'd be like, okay, is that cool? I'm like, do you want me to do something else, or is it like you know, should we change anything? He's all, huh? Oh no, sounds great. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, we're not that fucking genius. Come on, like this can't be that good. We wrote these when we were like 17 years old, so I guess they were. In, in his mind and so we just ran with it and we just recorded it. we layered the hell out of it had fun with the guitar sounds yeah uh i just sang a shitload of vocals on it too and like harmonies and uh that was my first experience dude we just had a ball <laughs> sounds awesome man so um you you say you're a skater and stuff well the, the way that i discovered you guys was actually through tony hawk's pro skater because you're on the soundtrack to one of those how, how cool was that for you guys that was amazing to, for me especially like the other guys got it but they didn't get it like i got it Right. I don't think initially I was like, I'm like, we're totally our most 
<laughs> I, was, I was tripping. I was freaking out. All my friends back in Wyoming, we were like a big skate crew back there, you know, in a small town. Yeah. And they were just tripping. They were tripping out. And uh, I've heard that a lot, that a lot of people heard us from from the Tony, uh, Tony, Ground under, Tony Hawk Underground. Yeah. Because uh, Tony Hawk games are pretty much where a lot of, I found out a lot of bands and a lot of music because obviously they have the soundtrack through. So one and two. I, I, that's how I heard about um, Public Enemy and how I heard about um, Goldfinger and, you know, but Papa Roach was the first time I ever heard them was on one of those and stuff. Uh, Rage Against the Machine even. Like, I hadn't even heard of them until I picked that game up. Oh, yeah. Which I know is kind of crazy considering who they are. Good catalog, like, throughout their entire, all the games. You know what I mean? Like, they really picked some good ones. And again, like, people, a lot of bands that people at the time hadn't heard of. And that was really cool that they did that, you know. It's like, took a chance on little like a little band like us to give us a shot to be on a freaking video game i actually got at one time i also got offered to be a character in the playboy mansion video game what <laughs> okay yeah. okay it's like it's like you pretty much like go on you would go on this video game as yourself and you'd pretty much just be like slutting yourself out in the mansion and like going to the grotto and at the time i was like you know i was like super like no no sellout don't do that don't do this don't 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 no 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 jason everything you know yeah i was, my own, I was almost my own worst enemy and like the the righteousness of my punk rock them to where I would not do anything if it was like not fast or uh, if it had anything to do with any kind of corporation whatsoever. Right. Okay. So I was anti myself for even thinking it was a good idea for a second. Okay. And looking, looking back, it would have been kind of fun and cool to do it. You know what I mean? Like 40 year old Jason's looking back at like 21 year old Jason saying, dude, that could have been cool. No, that would have been really cool. You could have been in the grotto with the playboy bunnies, dude. <laughs> <laughs> now, that's the thing too, is they actually allowed me to they, they offered to, get me out to the playboy mansion for that as well all right i was like nope nope you nope. didn't go <laughs> oh, jason man <laughs> no i blew it <laughs> but i don't know but with tony hawks yeah it's like since then skateboarding still a big part of my life too it's like i got my own skateboard company um, okay. i started up called earth skateboards my friend clay and i and it's like a charity organization skateboard company that we do like original artwork kind of stuff and uh, with bands and like do the funds going toward their uh their, their said charity that they want to promote towards. So amazing! I, I can see it. You've got a Les Mis one behind you. Uh, yeah, yeah, Les Mis. I got this one right here. This one's actually uh, talking about Operation Ivy. We got Jesse. Jesse's right here. Jesse Michaels has got his original board right here, which is pretty cool. Oh, that's amazing! I'm going to do a screen grab of that for when um, for when this goes up. I'll put that up on the t- online tab. Take that. That's so awesome, man. Yeah, it's pretty cool, man. It's like people have been really cool about just and uh, just supporting, you know, stuff like that because it's all intertwined with skateboarding and music and, uh, again, different charitable organizations. So it's it's a way of still being a pro skater, but not, I guess. Yeah. It's a way of still being a part of the big skate community. It's been fun. So what, what kind of charities do you work for with them? What, what's the uh, Are there any particular ones or is it just sort of what the artist or the band or whoever it is that's sponsoring the, uh, the board they want to do? What, what, how does that work? Typically, it's uh, yeah per band. We we let them choose the charity they want to work with because everyone's gone through their own things and have their own personal um, things they want to help out with. You know, so we keep it very open to them for that the demographic of it. Uh, with myself and with the band and stuff, we've uh, worked a lot with. Uh, it's not anymore uh, a, a organization. It's called Love Hope Strength. It was a cancer organization where a friend of ours, Rob Rushing, he would uh, go, go on tour and play big festivals and shows and whatever. Mm-hmm. Set up a merch booth and they have volunteers. And they'd swap people's cheeks at the shows and try and find a match for DNA uh, to help cancer patients and try and find, you know, link them up to, uh, for bone marrow. 
Oh, that's cool. Since then, he's left there, and uh, they've kind of defunct, I believe. And uh, now a big one is uh, Punk Rock Saves Lives. Mm -hmm. And it's my friend Rob Still, uh, him and his wife Tina, they got that put together. Um, And it's been cool being a part of that, too, from the ground up. He contacted me. I'm on the the board, you know, as far as, like, uh, uh, different advice and this and that, different ideas that come up. And um, it's been cool. It's taken off. A lot of bands have latched onto it and just kind of picked up where they left off with Love, Hope, Strength. Yeah maybe even in a bigger way, you know, they've been helping so many people out with um, all the way down to like just one individual person. If something pops up, that's really crucial that someone's adamant about that they really need help with this fundage. Uh, bands will get, they'll rally up and they'll get together and they'll help do it or a show or they'll uh, just like, at least, you know, go fund me or something toward the PRSL and they'll give the money uh, toward that individual or, 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 you know, other organization they're working through and with. That's amazing. That's really cool, man. So with, with regards to, um, Back to a bit about Authority Zero and you guys. So um, wh- when was it that you guys noticed that you started to get some some proper traction and you started doing some um, some of the bigger stuff, I guess, outside of the pubs and the local bars and stuff? When was it you get to start tra- touring and how was that for you guys? Um, more so in the early days, I imagine now it's kind of um, like almost like my, my, like my nine to five kind of thing. But for for you at first, what was it like? when you started building up the traction and getting the fan bases and stuff and doing the gigs with like, you know, those of these random tours that you were doing with bands like some 41 and stuff. Yeah. And those were, one of, those were some of the first big ones too. Like that was, it was crazy, man. It was honestly, cause like, you know, like you say, we've been stuck here in town. I mean, we'd only played here in town and Mexico, you know, okay. just next, yeah. Then we go to Mexico, Rocky point for spring break. Old guitar player was a uh, fluent in Spanish. So we got hooked up with like free rooms down there and we'd have to play like three times a day on the patio, which is fine. But, Half the time we were like on tequila, so <laughs> the third show was horrible and vomit was everywhere. But <laughs> <laughs> that said, it was really it was really cool, man. It blew our minds. Like we didn't realize what we were getting into in a sense, to be honest with you, because when we when we signed that paper, man, we hit the ground running and like we were on our first tour that year, it was like three hundred days, probably three hundred days of touring like that year, at least. Um, and it was almost consistent too. There wasn't a lot of breaks in between. And it wasn't bad for us at the time because no one had wives yet, no one had they had, they had girlfriends. It was a girlfriend, you know. Um, my girlfriend at the time was in Gabon, Africa, at the Peace Corps. So it was like I had I had space and availability to like not worry about getting home and this and the other thing, you know. Yeah. So it was just a whirlwind, dude. It was crazy. Like we started doing a lot of festivals. Our single hit the radio one more minute, and it just took off in Florida, you know. And like we never been. I never even been to Florida at this point. Right. And so when we went out there. We played this radio festival, and we were like one of the top spins on this thing. It was this huge outdoor festival and like mm. a band called Blindside played before us from Sweden. I think they are. Okay. Same from Sweden. Um, but they were rad and they were like, you know, super big band and they played before us. They like, they gave us big props on stage right before we hit the stage. It was just like side by side thing. And they're one of the best bands out there right now. Authority Zero. I'm like, huh? <laughs> you know, and we hit the stage and like thousands of people and like in Florida and mm-hmm. We played that song one more minute, man, and people just fucking went nuts. And I was like, it was just weird. It was just yeah. weird, you know, because we're used to playing like little venues, like clubs and stuff around the, the valley here. So that was really eye-opening a bit to see like what was to come. Uh, and it just kind of went on and on and on, man. Kept running around. We, like, once again, we were just like living the life, you know, just partying every night, like <laughs> you know, everybody does. Some forty-one tour. Once again, was one of our biggest tours. Mm-hmm. Um, our very first tour was. Uh, slightly stupid back when they were three piece and like just small little reggae rock band doing some sublime covers too, you know? Yeah. And look at them now. They're massive. Um, 
and uh, our very first, our second show, our second tour was H2O. So we went from like a full on reggae fest to like all the hardcore festivals. And we were not, we'd make, we make sense now playing with them. But back in the day, we didn't make any sense. And people in the audience knew it. Uh-huh. And they're like, what the fuck are you doing here? We're like, I don't know, man. I'm just on tour. <laughs> I'm just having fun. Yeah, man. So, but we just kept, you know, again, round and 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 just kept on doing the circuit. They didn't want us to go to Europe right away, which was a bummer because back then would have been the perfect time to start breaking ground because uh, that's when, you know, the pop punk stuff was really still hitting pretty hard, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we kind of missed that window. So we've, we've had a sense. Um, they just want us to just dive into like Canada and the States. You know, we didn't understand why we got it. They want to build a fan base, but we just did that for years. Right. Which is fine. It's like burnout, burnout time, you know, for them and us as well. Um, so with Europe and all that, you know, we started had to, had to start going out there on our own dime again and just kind of start from the ground up and hope people still enjoy punk rock and whatever we play as well on top of it. Yeah. And it's been, it's been a nice fluid process, but it's taken a good eight years to try and develop that fan base and remind people that we still exist. Absolutely. Because you were over for um, Manchester Punk Festival last year, um, which was the last time I saw you guys. Um, me and my fiance were just... It was it was at the end of... Because uh, there was you and I think a band called King Prom were on after you. And um, you guys really... like We were we were dead by that point. We were so tired because it was just like a full day of like awesome bands. And you perked us up no end. Like you really got us both just really up in game. And it was just re- it was just really good to have such an energetic show, man. It was just really cool to, to be fair, properly actually see you finally for the first time. I think last, it was the first time I got to see you guys live. Sure. Um, been a fan of, of music, of your music since around about 2000. I think 2009, I think Stories of Survival was the first. Okay, yeah. yeah. That was the first album of yours I heard other than, you know, songs that I'd heard of in a while, but, mm. um, but yeah, it, it, it's kind of one of those where you guys seem to still be going strong, still seem to really, really enjoying it. Um, I know you've had some member changes and stuff, but is that, is that, a, is that a thing that's, that's, that's something that's been a th- something that's really stopped you guys though. Like the member changes and stuff, it's really almost driven you a bit, I think to keep you going and refresh me the band a bit. Yeah. Me personally, I'm the last remaining member of the original lineup you know for some years now and i always told myself when i was younger i was like i was like if it ever gets to that point guys just tell me to stop just tell me to stop i don't want to be that guy that's like the singer left in the band and it's like i've seen that shit from the outside i don't like it mm-hmm. you, know? <laughs> you know but it's a different story for everybody that goes through it. you know it's like first it's like one member then it's like okay well you guys didn't agree with something so one of you got to go i guess and it's now an ultimatum kind of thing mm-hmm. which sucks you know but there's still three of you you know, she's so like, all right, we're pushing along. So now there's just like a new, now there's a new bass player for a bit. Somebody else goes crazy for a minute. And all of a sudden that guy leaves. <laughs> Some other guy comes in. And then the other guy, that causes the other guy to come back because that guy's not there anymore. Yeah. So it's like things are still kind of normal feeling. It's like, it's like, like that's a, it's like that whole, like, we're getting the band back together moment, you know? Because <laughs> when it first goes to shit, you're like, after that many years, you're like, what just happened? Yeah. Like, wow. We're like in the middle of like just doing really well and stuff's going on it's right on and you guys can't figure this out other than physically and one who's got to go kind of thing right, right and so everything changed when that first thing happened man it's been like a roller coaster ever since you know uh what i just kind of briefly portrayed as far as what went down yeah it's been like just really like holding the rope and like just pulling this way like one man army going this way while i was like kind of pulling this way and i'm like get out of here yeah you know and um so that said 
it was really devastating and heartbreaking when that started breaking apart a little bit and I don't know what the future held. Uh, um, during that time frame, speaking of Pennywise, man, I got, I got calls, Jim, left, Jim Lindbergh had left the band from Pennywise, the singer, and I got a call from Fletcher the same day that he uh, left the group. And I was like, missed call from Fletcher. I was like, what the, f- what the fuck's going on? Right. And uh, he left a message just like, hey, Jason, it's Fletcher, give me a call. And I called him like, hey, Mom, what's up, man? He's like, do you think so? Would you fly out here to Los Angeles and do a demo of, you know, Pennywise <laughs> stuff? I was like, for real? I'm like, okay. I got my band, though. I got the thing I'm doing over here. I'm trying to keep this alive, too. And it's like, it was, a, it was in such a fragile state. Yeah. But I was so determined to keep it together and to keep it forging forward and not let anybody else's selfishness, I guess, put us in a position to where everybody just had to stop. Right, right, right. It didn't feel fair to me. It didn't make sense to me. And it seemed that some, some parts of that, uh, those conversations, there wasn't like a lot of care on this end of things coming this direction. Yeah. Towards like, well, if you don't care, I'm not going to care about that anymore. It's like, I'm just going to go full force and like just keep on playing as hard as we can, mm-hmm. as long as we can. People out there care still, you know? Yeah. Went out there and did the Pennywise stuff. The Fletcher could tell that I was really conflicted because I had my own band. And I was really working hard to keep it moving forward, you know, and, and building it. And uh, so that didn't work out. But then uh, I got a call back later again after they made some arrangements and went back out there again. Mm-hmm. And then uh, at that point, it was like, you know, let's get Jim back. And, you know, it makes it makes sense the way it played out. You know, and Jim's back to the band and they're they're Pennywise, or as they should be, you know. Yeah. Uh, it's just right. It's, everything's right in the world. I think it all worked out the way it was supposed to. And our band's doing well and past all the dark times of it, you know, and has had Ford forged forward. And uh, with that being said, you're talking about new members coming in. It does keep you motivated. It's kept, it's kept me motivated. They're, they're a bit younger than me too. And they're, they were, you know, I want to say a little green, but they're, yeah. they've not been on a heavy scale touring. So they're not tainted by the idea of it yet, or like the hardness of things that come along with it and not just the fun. Yeah. They're, they're um, more enthusiastic, I guess. Yeah. It's just kept me, it's kept me motivated, kept me sane. It's kept us, kept us all. Once again, the people that, I've asked to come into the group have been very good friends that have either been a merch guy of ours for some years. So they're already on the road with us mm-hmm. and uh, being a part of them, they kind of know the system, extremely talented musician, uh, musicians as well. And uh, just good people. So it's a big, it's a big, it's a big family. It always has been. Yeah. Everybody's been in this band, you know, it's like, it's like a giant skate team, dude. It's like, we just did our 25 year anniversary. The, the picture I wanted to use for the front was to get every member that's been a part of it and like put us in a row, like an old shorties, like, picture you know from like a, an ad in a magazine or something yeah you know just to show that we all have love for each other it's just life gets in the way and things change and we're just getting older yeah. families and all that <laughs> real life you know it's like a mortgage <laughs> <laughs> so that was that was the story i do want to i do want to uh, tell you a little bit about my my thing from um you guys at manchester punk festival was i was coming so the venue that you you played in was called gorilla and um, to the right of the stage, yeah, right from your from where you stand to, to the right of the stage, there's a bar. And I was in there getting some drinks, and I came back around, and I saw um, someone on stage, and um, they were setting up all the guitar stuff, and they were they were struggling a little bit because they only had one hand. And then I stand at the back of the stage, and then suddenly, that's the guitar player. And is possibly one of the best guitar players I have ever seen in my life. 
Yeah. With Dan, uh, you know, Dan Aid. So, oh, well, like, uh, uh, you know, Dan. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. Well, Dan, no, you mean Dan, Dan. <laughs> okay, I know exactly that. Sorry, man. <laughs> but he, he was put, he put, like, this was me and three other friends. We all play guitar in bands, and he put us all to shame. Like, just the way that he can do what he does. Yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a physical anomaly, man. He's like, just guitar playing, his energy levels, like, his personality. He's just yeah. a talented dude. Uh, he's made the very, very best. And then some of a situation he was put into, you know, when he was a young kid. Where on earth did you find, did you find, because it's, it's hard enough to find a good guitarist anyway. Sure. So, well, once again, like I say, it's like everyone, everyone that's coming to this band has been either a friend or a, in a band of acquaintance mm-hmm. or a merch guy or something. You know, we've always known them before they've gotten in the band and got, we knew their personality for the most part. You know, you learn a lot of, about people on the road more than you want sometimes, but yeah, you know, for the most part, you know, and you know that too, you'll get along and your, your buds. Mm-hmm. So Dan played in a band, still plays in a band called the Wire Dogs. Okay. And he's his own front man. So right there, I'm like, he can sing. Perfect. I need backup vocals and all that, you know, it's like, it's just like all, all the pieces kind of come together that plays a killer guitar. He never played lead guitar before. So that was like a big trick and a step for him. And uh, he's, he's made it very clear that this band has made him a much better guitar player because Bill, you know, Bill Marks, our original guitar player, wrote some really tricky shit. Yeah. And it's like uh, tremolo, like a lot of tremolo picking, like a lot of just fast, frantic, you know, palm muting stuff, you know. And Dan plays completely different. He's got these, uh, he's got these picks that his uncle makes for him that are handmade uh, mm-hmm. with a pick at the end. It's like just kind of hot glued on to the end of this stick that he puts in his little uh, band right here. Yeah, and so it kind of becomes his next appendage, you know. Um, and it almost helps him like play faster because he's not worrying about all the rest of this. It's like he's like right there at the guitar strings, you know, like he can yeah, gig fast as he wants to. Uh, so yeah, so anyway, so long story long story short with him, uh, I was out there doing this uh, Love Hope Strength thing uh, for charity acoustic. I flew out there for one day, stayed with him. Uh, he was a part of it too, and we went out and uh, we were having some drinks, and I was depressed because my guitar player was getting ready to leave again, and I was just all. Rah, rah, rah you know, cheering my beer kind of stuff, like panting to him. Yeah. And I'm like, I was like, I might be calling you one day and feel in for me. They're saying, you know, and he's, he's, uh, he's like, okay, man. So two weeks later, I called him up. No shit. And I was like, Hey bro, remember <laughs> I was talking to you about filling in one day for a show? Like, how'd you like to be my guitar player? Yeah. Like, wait, an authority zero. I'm like, yes. An authority zero. He's like, wow. Okay. Let me see. Like, cause he had to like, you know, that's a life changer right there as far as like traveling and jobs and, yeah. He had a good job at the time too, you know. He was like working really well, and he had it pretty well off there. Uh, but he agreed to it, you know, and went forward with it. And uh, here we are, man. It's been it's been a freaking blast with him. Like we just have so much fun on stage. His energy keeps my energy back up, you know. It's like, like I say, over the years, I used to be a lot more, uh, you know, jumping off thirty foot scaffolding and like, you know, ups. I've, I've since like snapped my Achilles tendon on stage, you oh. know, like. Yeah, it was horrible oh. in Jacksonville, Florida. Had to continue the tour with a snapped Achilles tendon, like go to Japan right after that with the two without getting fixed. Oh, it's- now, it's just, now it's, yeah, now it's just cartilage. It had to heal it by itself, cartilage-wise, but it's a little sore in the mornings. But it's uh, it still works. I'd say so. <laughs> yeah, but that said, again, he like keeps me motivated on stage. He's just full of he's a full ball of energy, you know. Mm. And uh, Mikey, our, our bass player, he's also younger. He's like in his thirties, like early thirties. Again, singer by himself as well. He was our merch guy for seven years. Right. Uh, he joined the band like probably eight years ago, I think, at this point, maybe. Um, also a singer. So now it's like a trifecta of vocals up front, which makes this a bigger powerhouse, which I couldn't be happier for. You know, it's like we all practice actual harmonies and like try new things instead of just like belting out whatever we want. Yeah. 
and it's, it's, it's been fun. It's just been like, this whole thing has been just a growing experience, you know, from the ground up. So it's never gotten stagnant. And that might be because of member change-ups or what have you, but it's kept the music interchanging and developing as well mm -hmm. as just us all growing as musicians and collectively as well. Absolutely. Also, like, in terms of growing as a musician, you do a lot of acoustic stuff as well. Um, yeah, man. I, what, I started so, doing a... Go ahead, sorry. Sorry, I was going to ask you, are you someone that just can't chill? Do you have to be constantly doing something? Or is it is, is that sort of a part of it? Or is it just because you like that kind of... You, you, you like more of the... Because it's more folky than punk. I, yeah. yeah I, I think, anyway. Or the thing country. with the acoustic stuff, you really started out... Uh, I wrote a song. I wrote a couple of songs that were like, this is kind of softer. I've always like... I like I love singing. That's my thing. I love love singing. You know, I've learned mm -hmm. to do it over the years. I've never had lessons, but I've loved to love love learning how to do it myself. I guess. And during that time of doing so, I've been influenced by other artists, like such as you know throughout the years earlier on, like mid mid twenty two thousand. Sorry, um, like Jeff Buckley got introduced to me from, from some friends on the East Coast. You know, and yeah. uh, just beautiful voice. And like I was like, see, I want to do that. <laughs> or to tell the guys in the band, I'm like, I want to do that too. You know, it's like, but it doesn't make sense with this band. That would just freak people out. Right. And so I wrote these songs just in my own time while learning how to play guitar at the same time because I never really knew how to play guitar. All right. Uh, it was a yeah, it was a way for me to, I'd write songs, but I wouldn't be able to play them as a song. I'd be like, here's the stuff. Make this sound like a song, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> okay. People in that play. So I took that time, like 2006 was my first release, my first solo record. I've done three cents total. Um, in the first one, <clears throat> it was really those ideas that I couldn't use, didn't feel would fit right mm -hmm. with Authority Zero at all. No matter how much you sliced it, diced it, whatever, you know. Yeah. So I didn't want to throw them away. So I, my, my friend Brian Sandell, who had also been in the band at some point uh, later on in some years, uh, had a recording studio, a small one in his house. And we just laid these songs down and I got pretty as can be on them. Just had fun playing acoustic, like singing, like actually singing, you know, and experimenting with my voice more. <clears throat> and I really got excited about it. And it, again, it put me out. I started just doing like open mic nights mm -hmm. uh, here locally when we, when we weren't on tour. I just go out and just jump on stage. And uh, again, try and learn to play and sing at the same time because I really wanted to be self-efficient because again, it was hard times with the band too. So it's like, you always want to learn more and more as you go, just in case whatever happens, you're still building something yeah. uh, that, you're excited, that you're excited about, you know? So I did that and I've been doing that. And then I started playing my own shows around the Valley and I started getting hired for parties, weddings, uh, actually hired to play actual festivals now, just acoustic solo, which is really fun. And I've done a five, I've uh, done six tours solo now. Mm -hmm. I never thought I'd have the time for it, but my brother-in-law, Russ, we decided to do this thing called, uh, Le Tour de Vore. Okay. Know? So it was just him and I, him and I have talked about going out and playing some acoustic shows. And I'm like, I don't have any time for that, dude. I'm on tour all the time. Mm -hmm. And then there was like this small window one time. It was like a month. And I'm like, fuck it. I'm like, let's book two weeks. We'll keep it simple. We'll say we actually got out there and we finally did it. And I can start touring acoustic and we can do this thing together. Yeah. So we did that and it was a good success. It was fun. And so we've sensed on Le Tour de Vore 2, Le Tour de Vore 3, 4, 5. Started getting people, uh, friends of mine like uh, Howie from Ballyhoo and Krista makes from Lesson Jake involved yep. in the last one. So just kind of using those building blocks from, uh, you know, even like uh, places around the, the country that have played it with authority to reach out to them and book a show for us for those tours. And also the people I've met along the way in bands to kind of incorporate that. Cause a lot of people are doing the acoustic thing now too. And it's, it's fun. We're all just like stripping down to bare bones and just having fun with it. Amazing. So it's kind of fun. Like it's like starting over. So it's, it's just invigorating, you know, it's like no expectations some but not a lot you know but and and playing these songs that i've been writing you know now i have like a catalog of 25 plus of just my solo songs that 
now I have a platform to play those on instead of trying to sneak one in here and there. You know, it's yeah. like, if you come see me play, you might get an Authority Zero song, but you're going to be coming to see me play Jason DeVore stuff. <laughs> so be ready for singing. Be ready for some savvy shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, you said about like improving your vocals and learning to sing. So there was something you did at MPF, which me and my friends, the when we came to see you, were just absolutely flabbergasted. Bit. It's like an Irish jig that you do, and you oh, get yeah. faster and faster and faster as you do each verse. Yeah. How? Just explain to me how, because I. I Oh, it it was just so mind-numbingly impressive. Anyway, but like you said, you you're not. I I always assumed that you had just the the ability to sing. I didn't realize that you taught yourself. Yeah. So, so how'd you get there? Well, again, <laughs> I, I I had. I mean, I had tonality. I think growing up, you know. I mean, right. I got that from my mom's side of the family. I'm really strong and firmly believe that. I just didn't, you know. I just kind of did what I did, and I kept on just pushing it and trying to do better at it. I guess as years went by, you know, and the fast stuff. So when it got escalated to the fast stuff, this is kind of a funny little story, but I've always been a fan of Celtic uh, Irish music. You know, I've had, I've had side bands called the Bollocks. I'm in one right now called the Deadlies with some guys from the Bollocks from over in Ireland, actually. The, uh, him and I are the front singers. It's like a punk rock Celtic rock folk band, you know. Oh, cool. Um, both of them are, yeah. So I've always been intrigued by Celtic folk music in general and uh, just the culture also. And... I, so I learned a bunch of just Irish folk songs, which is my, my downtime. And then one time on stage, our guitar player, Bill, design, uh, he broke his strings. And we were like on a big stage, like trying to, you know, hometown show, like a couple thousand people. Mm-hmm. And I uh, was just trying to kill time. I was like, trying to, instead of just talking and jibber jabber, whatever. I was like, I was like, oh, I got this song in my head. And it was Rattlenbog, is the, the song you're talking about. Right. And uh, I was like, I'll just give this a shot. And it's, it's at least a good two minute song, you know, depending on how, how I sing it. I started doing it and I just had the audience clap with me, you know, start off super simple. And then I just started having them go faster just because it picks up yeah. on the, the original, but it doesn't do what it does on this one. <laughs> <laughs> so I just wanted to take it to the extreme and just sing as fast as I could. Cause I've always spoken really fast. My parents always told me I need to slow down and enunciate. Right. right. And I never, I never could, <laughs> but somehow through music, I've learned to sing fast and enunciate at the same time. Mm-hmm. But when I talk, it's garbage. It's mumbles. You know, it's like, it's all mumbles <laughs> McGee. But somehow with music, it makes sense. And I'm able to articulate a little better when I'm doing that faster. Right. Um, almost to the point where it's easier to do that than to sing slower and pull it back. Right, right. But um, so anyways, I started doing that song on stage and it became a hit with the local scene here. Mm-hmm. And so we decided to record it live on the Andiamo album I'm talking about that's coming up here for that live stream on mm-hmm. Tuesday. Uh, put it as a hidden track on there live here in Arizona. And then people started learning about it because of that album. And now it's become a thing. <laughs> It, <laughs> it's just it, a thing. Like, play that, yeah, yeah. Your other music, great. Play the thing. You know, the <laughs> thing. And I'm like, I don't have time for the thing. I don't have anything left for the thing. You know. I do, but, uh, I, I do love it, though. It's fun. It, it is it is unbelievable. Like, we were just stood there at the back of the, uh, the, back of the building, just floor, jaws on the floor. Yeah, that's cool, man. Thank it you. So, it was so cool. It, was so, so it cool. doesn't make any sense with this band either. Once again, something that does make, makes no sense with this band is like, here's an Irish folk song that <laughs> is like the Micro Machine Man singing it. <laughs> yeah. It's like, cool, where did that come from? It doesn't make any sense. So where where in the world has been um, your favorite place uh, that you've been touring? Do you have like any areas of the world that you really love going back to? Absolutely. Absolutely, man. Yeah. Uh, uh, Greece is a big one. We got a friend out there who's a sound guy to help us out. We met him on the road out there. Just he's jumped in the van with us and started just going on tour with us and doing sound. And became good friends with him, Jack. Jack out there, 
we've only been to Greece a couple times, but it was just beautiful. Like just the tourism side of it, even just getting out there and uh, the crowd too, man, we were playing, we played one show out there. Our first show out there in Greece was Athens. And um, we played in this small club, like 250 people. Mm-hmm. And it was just packed in there. And there was a protest going on and like a riot, I guess, as well during our set. And it became, you know, I'm not sure exactly who it was between, I know, but mm-hmm. uh, we played the show and we sang our song Revolution. And people were just like bleeding heart, like, you know, in the crowd, like up to past the face, like just, it meant a lot to them more than just a song. Yeah. And you, you could feel that in the air and you could see it in their faces, it's like blood, sweat, and tears. And so that was a really standout moment uh, for me there, you know, uh, just love that, love that area, love Greece. Uh, Spain was a lot of fun. We've only done festivals really out there, a couple club shows. Kids are super hard, die hard out there too, and it's been really, really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, has some good some times out there with Resurrection Fest. Um, England, obviously, you know, England's a great one, man. We have a lot of fun out there. We <laughs> continue to have fun. We got some friends we made out there along the way too that they always come out, their whole family comes out to the show and they'll follow us around for like, you know, a few towns at least where they can do. Yeah. And uh, it's just a blast. We drink lots of pints out there, dude. <laughs> too many <Sure>. pints. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we, we enjoy a good drink. Uh, <laughs> it's kind oh, of a yeah. downfall. Uh, but. And, you know, Scotland, love Scotland. Went out there for the first time last year. Um, haven't got a chance to revisit it, but it was a great show. Yeah. And then I'd say also Germany, because Germany, we have tons of friends out there that we've, uh, we, we do a lot of touring out there in Germany when we go to uh, Europe because it's just so spread out. And like, there's always like seven shows or eight shows booked there uh, mm. that again, friends will follow us around too and we get to hang out with them. So well, that's cool. Are there any bucket list places that you haven't been to yet that you'd really like to take the band? Yeah, South America. That's a big one. We keep okay. on uh, getting kind of teased by the idea of going to South America and Brazil and all that. We have uh, got hit up by a bunch of kids out there that just want us to go out there. We've seen like, you know, shows out there with uh, a bunch of the bands we look up to and we're, we're friends with and they just seem to go off. So let yeah. me finally get out there if possible. Uh, this year we were supposed to go to Korea for the first time. So this year with the COVID stuff, obviously we were supposed to go uh, to Hawaii for the first time, which is a bummer, and Alaska. Uh, we were supposed to do Alaska, go to Hawaii, Hawaii to Japan, mm-hmm. uh, do a Japan tour there for this, because it's our 25 year anniversary this, uh, this year. So we're supposed to have this huge spread of things going on, uh, Europe, especially right right around mid-July. We were supposed to have for like a month and a half. Um, but that got canceled, yeah. And then Korea was gonna be one of our first spots we wanted to go to, uh, but mm-hmm. that got canceled as well. So still wanna go check that out, you know, pretty much just anywhere we haven't been. Yeah. I mean, I just, I just wanna experience as, as much travel as possible and as many places as possible to, kind of see uh who's out there that actually knows the band and if we're missing something really important <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah, like it, we, we, we haven't even thought of me and my um me and my fiance had tickets for the manchester gig that you were you were gonna do so we were quite 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 upset but it is what it is you know you can't help it um yeah you know if you can't get it you can't do it anyway <laughs> exactly right yeah it's just a bummer all around man there's so much fun stuff planned for this year and yeah. it's just craziness of this this whole year has been uh, nuts so um a couple of quick questions though so we'll just start winding down so uh first question is um of the whole time that you've been in a band and it can be uh it can, this can be about authority zero this can be about your solo stuff it can be about anything that you've done um in your career with this um what have been some of the the, the super highlights like the really awesome things that you've got to experience or do as being part of doing the music thing whether again whether it's authority zero whether it's your own acoustic stuff what's some of the highlights um one of the highlights i'd say would be oddly like getting that record deal when we were kids because that's something we never thought in our wildest dreams would ever happen so that was just like a 
a pinch me now kind of moment, you know, that you'll never forget, regardless if it was a major label or not. I mean, it was just one of those moments of like, wow. We, we reached out at that point to like tons and tons of indie labels and like, you know, the popular ones that you want to be on as a punk rock band or whatever. And to no avail, you know, so when somebody actually gave a shit about us and came to us instead of us chasing people around, it was uh, liberating and it was like a really good, feel good moment for us. You know, it's like, it's like, oh, so we're not, we don't suck completely like we, like we think we do. It's right. like, it's just like, you know, it's just a matter of taste, I guess, and uh, the given time frame and time and place, all that fun stuff too. So there's that, that's, that's a standout moment, dude. Um, I think that our first tour to Europe was definitely mind blowing. You know, it was one of those, again, like we're just over, you know, reaching bound, you know, different bounds and stuff like that. And like surpassing uh, different things we never thought we'd actually be possible to do. Yeah. And when they started happening, it was like, okay, now we're, we're not done yet. We're still, okay, we got a lot, of, a lot of world to cover here still. You know, yeah. things of that nature. Um, geez, those are two of the big ones, man. I mean, the first Japanese tour, I mean, just like a lot of it's like with just the, the initial idea of like being able to have the ability to do some of these tours, you know, and like, um, and again, I think one huge one for me is, uh, again, the, the ability to become friends with a lot of these bands and like you've looked up to Mm-hmm. and how it's all just kind of like a you can call them and just give them a call it's like you know you got all the phone numbers in your phone you're like give them a call and be like hey man what are you doing next week you know, i'll be out in california you know or you know let's go hang out or we have a show there next weekend are you guys still around are you on tour what's up yeah it's just like this big traveling white van society you know it's <laughs> like everyone's got their little white trailer man and it's just like you're always passing by each other on the highways and it's like, it's like ah, you know <laughs> So it's just cool how the big family that uh, this music scene has become. It's such a big world. It's become such a small one. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what, so the the tough question that I ask people is, um, so say you're in a bar and you're talking to this guy. You've never met them before. They never met you. And they find out that you were in a band. Give me two or three songs that you would show that person that you think perfectly encapsulates in Authority Zero. I'd probably initially do One More Minute because it's the one that, most people may or may not have heard just even if they didn't know right it or not that one just to show i'd probably show that one second actually because it, it's it's very just misleading as far as what the band actually sounds like as a whole yeah uh one of the first songs would probably be probably be a passage in time our first song our first record it's got some cool breakdown stuff so it shows the diversity and you know and it's got it's not too fast to where it wouldn't make sense to anybody that wouldn't be uh in you know in a punk rock or whatever uh so one more minute, passage in time, and I also say probably probably our song "Super Bitch." It's another okay. old one, but it's like got a lot of different elements in there, and it's also got the fast stuff too. So it yeah. kind of shows all the elements that the group kind of are. So I'd be like, "This is our thing. Here's our thing. What do you think about the thing?" <laughs> <laughs> I love that Good question. Though it's tough when you got that many songs, you're trying to sift through and like think what would actually be the best way to present yourself to somebody that's not not in the know. Yeah, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a mean question. Ask someone who's been doing it for twenty five years, <laughs> at least like nine albums and multiple singles and stuff. But yeah, so man, so um, finally, just is what's next for Authority Zero? Do you think after we get from whatever this is now to whatever our new normal will be, what what do you think? What's coming up next for you guys? Do you have any plans um, other than you know coming back and doing all the things you were going to do for the twenty fifth anniversary? Do you have anything in particular that you're going to stop focusing on or? Yes, we've uh, well during this time frame, as many artists have, I'm sure, have been we've been writing our faces off just because we're stuck, we're stuck at home. Uh, again, you got the cabinet over there with a couple cocktails in it, so like you know, <laughs> it opens the mind a little bit when you're stuck in this uh, little zoo of a house. So 
myself, my bass player, have both been writing tons of songs going back and forth already. We've already got like probably 25, 30 songs that we're ready to pretty much probably even start to close to lay down. My, in a perfect world, my idea would be for us to go into a studio during this downtime and just have a record ready to go on 2021 instead of like, and just full fire release it, which I'm sure a lot of bands are going to do because just being in contact with a lot of the guys, like everyone's talking about how much they're writing, how much material they have uh, to write about and talk about. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just, now's a great time to do that because it's so much time to actually just, you know, take time off from touring to record. You can just chum it up and, you know, find a good local spot with a buddy of yours that uh, is rocking a mask and uh, yep. lay down some tracks. <laughs> you know, there's no need not, there's no reason we, we shouldn't be. Even like a solo record, you know, it's like, been writing a lot of stuff like that too it's like now's the time to do that and just get creative and um again a lot of stuff we were going to do this year is just being pushed back a year so long as people keep safe and things progress in a positive light uh rather than yeah. digress which is like really just hoping because i'm getting super crazy here yeah but you must be itchy to get back out on it yeah but again with that you know we're doing the live streams so anybody wants to check out the live streams we're doing that with authority I'm doing it all the time on my personal page. I'm going to do one here in about an hour, actually, on my solo page. Oh, wicked. Yeah, so it's on official Jason DeVore on Facebook if you guys want to check it out. Um, I'll be on there in about an hour, doing about an hour set of my solo stuff. Cool. Um, but that's what's up, man. Just writing, staying sane, and uh, getting ready to go touring next year, hopefully. Brilliant. Well, fingers crossed that you guys get to come over here. We'll definitely see you when you come anywhere near Manchester, man. It'd be awesome to... Awesome to see you guys play again. <laughs> Jason, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time to give me an hour of your day. Um, really appreciate it. You're the same, Jordan. Did you want a screenshot of this thing real quick? I've got one. Oh, you got one? Cool. Yeah, I took one as you were showing it me. Go, Jesse. Go, Jesse Michaels. Operation <laughs> <Ivy>. Hey! <laughs> no, man, dude. Really appreciate it. Thank you very much. You too, Jordan. Take care, man. Take care. Cheers. And that was Jason DeVore. Um, please make sure you check out all the Authority Zero 25th anniversary shenanigans that they're doing all over the Authority uh, Zero social media. Um, it's on the Facebooks. Uh, if you listen to this today when this is uploaded, tomorrow they're doing a gig. Um, I think it's on their Facebook Live, um, on their website, and a bunch of other places. So check that out. Um, keep an eye for their new music when that comes out soon, um, and also Jason's solo work. Um, as always, please follow the podcast at Podpunk Podcast on Facebook and Instagram at Pot on uh, at Pot at that's at Pod underscore Punk on Twitter. Um, tell friends uh, if you're enjoying this podcast, or leave a rating and review on Apple Podcast. It'd be absolutely amazing. Thank you once again to Jason Devore. Um, got another episode coming up at the end of the week, um, which is quite a big one. So please. Keep an eye out for that one because I'm incredibly happy about this. Um, Thanks again. Uh, We'll see you next time. Bye for now.